Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. Hi, Courageitarians. Welcome back. I want to thank you for sticking with us. As you know, we have conversations about getting dirty and growing strong through exploring the Panchamaya healing model. And you can support us on leaving a review on iTunes. And you can also head over to Where the Lotus Grows and subscribe to our main mailing list and get a monthly email full of the month's inspiration to keep you on track and becoming also a supporting member on our Patreon.com of Where the Lotus Grows. So we've chosen to not have advertisers. So the only way that keeps the show going is through your generous Patreon supporters. And we hope that our podcast uh, uplifts you in your world. So thank you for being with us and sticking with us. Of course. Thank you, Courageitarians. We're really happy to have you today. Today we're going to talk about uh, part three of our stress and disease series. We're going to discuss the autoimmune and nervous system. And this includes many, many conditions, including but not limited to lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, and multiple sclerosis. So the disclaimer at the top of this episode is to say that autoimmune and nervous system disorders are a pretty sweeping category. And it's not our intention in our traditional 35, 40-minute podcast to get into great detail for each individual condition. Um, It's assumed that if you or someone you love has one of these conditions, you're probably already pretty familiar with the varying symptoms, flares, and overall impacts of these conditions and what that does to quality of life. So our goal at the end of the day with all of this is to, and and this and all of our topics too in this series, is to simply discuss the role that stress plays and the ways in which some or maybe even a majority of symptoms can be mitigated or relieved by mind-body health practices. Um, and that said, autoimmune disorders are becoming a little more and more common. And they're often mysterious. Um, For those who are unfamiliar, this is when the body's immune system misfires, I'm using air quotes, and kind of begins to attack its own tissue. Um, There are are scores of autoimmune diseases out there. Um, Some of the most well-known I've already stated, like rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis is another one, multiple sclerosis we talked about, lupus, even type 1 diabetes in the pancreas decides that it doesn't want to work like it's supposed to. <laughs> um, I included fibromyalgia and chronic chronic fatigue in this category, knowing that it's more of a nervous system root cause, um, which is, those are more of a dysregulation or a misfire specifically in the HPA access, which we talked about that, um, the HPA access last episode when we discussed the endocrine system and um, hormones, but that's also part of the nervous system, causes widespread and unexplained pain, sensitivity, along with a variety of other symptoms. And Kim, you've worked with many people with fibro, 
correct? Yeah, I was going to say as, um, you know, as a practicing mind-body practitioner for the last decade, um, I've experienced firsthand the struggles of patients with fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and how the mind-body um, modalities of movement, including yoga therapy, can enhance a fibromyalgia patient's quality of life. I mean, I, I really feel for fibromyalgia patients because because can you imagine having a disease that causes widespread pain throughout your body and all conventional tests come back normal and yet your entire life is being affected by the pain? Mm-hmm. And often early for many, they're told it's uh, psychosomatic, but it's not real, correct? Right. Fibromyalgia is a, is a disease and it doesn't know a gender, so it can be male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, it could, doesn't know a culture or an age, but affects about 10 million Americans a year. Uh, it does have a higher occurrence in women, according to the Natural Fibromyalgia Association, though. Mm-hmm. And, you know, individual patients, on average, spend about $1,000 out of pocket per month above their own health care program. And it costs the United States about $14 billion a year. If you account in, um, you know, what we're spending on healthcare for fibromyalgia and the loss of productivity. So it's pretty significant. No, definitely. Definitely. And I know many people who've been affected by it and it does it. Um, it's very challenging even to get to the bottom of it. <laughs> and then when you do, it's still very um, insignificantly treated or researched in many ways. Although it's, it's expanding. It is. Uh, you know, a lot of my clients say, you know, they use the spoon depending on what they wake up that day, like how much energy um, or how many spoonfuls of energies can they do for that day? And someday they have four spoons and some days um, they have one spoon. But, you know, what do you do when you're so ill, it's affecting every area of your life, yet you appear healthy on the outside and you may right. be told that you're making it all up, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. psychosomatic. Yeah, well, in being in pain, like this is where, why I wanted to cover it in this particular under this topic, because I think that this fits into the pattern of where these stress and disease mix. So very similar to many of the autoimmune disorders. Um, when you have, I, I have a friend, it's, you know, she considers it a fibro flare when she has a flare, um, similar to uh, clients that I have with arthritis, you know, you have to use the spoon method. You have to see how much you can really put towards the day. But additionally, um, the stress that comes with that seems to then exacerbate the pain and the symptoms. So then it becomes a cycle of the stress surrounding that makes the symptoms worse. And then if the symptoms are worse, of course, then that increases our stress response. And so then it's just a vicious cycle of, you know, the increased stress response (laughs) can feed into that pain and the pain can, you know, from there, it just becomes like a kind of a snake eating itself. Yeah. And I think we're just starting to untangle fibromyalgia and its truths. But there's one thing that uh, seems to be clear and and that's that it affects the central nervous system and Mm -hmm. the symptoms can come on slowly or they can come on quickly. And, uh, you know, you and I are always having to read uh, research to kind of stay up 
on um, different disease conditions. And PubMed right now shows over 9,000 research studies that, that have been done year to date um, for fibromyalgia. And some of them are showing that there's a difference in physiological abnormality, such as increased levels of substance P in the spinal cord and decreased mm-hmm. levels of blood flow to the thiamus, the HPA axis, um, the hypofunction, low levels of serotonin and uh, tropophen. So, you know, they, I think they are starting to find some physiological markers. Yeah. Yeah. No. And additionally, with many of these, and I, I may um, have it a little bit in the show notes later, and some, we're going to have some interesting articles to link to this. Um, but there have been some research tying um, trauma, particularly childhood trauma, but just in general trauma, to many of these disorders, to many autoimmune disorders. And nervous system disorders, like the dysregulation and the HPA access could have been triggered by uh, trauma and an inability to process stress. Because the HPA access is your your body's ability to um, manage stress, you know, the signals that are sent um, from the hypothalamus to the pituitary gland to, you know, that whole cycle um, gets dysregulated and the body responds to like like stress all the time (laughs) yeah and i i'm not trying to say that all fibromyalgia um patients have trauma but a significant portion in my Mm -hmm. um in what i've practiced do people do have trauma that has not been uh dealt with or unpacked yeah yeah well i think that's what i was that's what i was looking at a not causation but a correlation yeah, um, is what they're finding is that there's a strong um, correlate with some form of um, trauma or PTSD type event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward, many of these diseases and dysfunctions are exacerbated by stress, which is kind of what I said, and research indicates the correlation. I did cover that. Um so it's a vicious cycle. And as we've covered in previous episodes, stress is any adverse event that takes the body out of homeostasis. So it's associated with uh, mental health disorders, physical diseases, and again, that hypothalamic uh, pituitary adrenal access dysregulation. And oh, the inflammatory response. That's another thing with autoimmune. It increases the inflammatory response. So that's what we see a lot with RA. Um, uh, psoriasis, those kinds of stressors, um, their inflammation in the body. And there, that's another, um, they're even linking some mental health related, uh, topics to inflammation in the brain. Yeah. Did you see on the national news, they're now, um, looking at stress as a diagnosis for burnout. Hmm. So they're actually starting to acknowledge that um, stressful situations is actually creating harm to our body. Well, well, well. <laughs> Very cool, right? Yeah, I mean, we've kind of intuitively noted, yeah. yeah, but that acknowledgement is, I think, what I think is really cool. So, like I said, I, I don't want to, what I really wanted to talk about with this, with all of these um, conditions 
is more how yoga and other mind-body therapies can help versus getting into the nitty-gritty of each particular uh, condition. But Kim, you have, you do, because of it, we talked a little bit about fibro, we talked a little bit about the inflammatory response, you know, we talked about the reasons. So the HPA access dysregulation, um, inflammatory response, maybe even epigenetic modification, which just, you know, means that it was kind of handed down to us. So those are all like physical things that are happening in the body. What's the spiritual connection, kind of um, our favorite friend, Deb Shapiro, and her <laughs> body speaks your mind uh, idea behind some of these uh, conditions? Well, if you look at the immune system, the immune system, she says, really is adversely affected by stress, grief, depression, loneliness, and repressed feelings, and through a loss of sense of self. So if your immune system is low, it might prove helpful to find out where you're repressing your feelings and find mm-hmm. constructive ways to release them. So I think that that's interesting. And sometimes I've heard um, in the past, when you have an autoimmune disease, you know, it's the person has repressed so much feeling that they're actually attacking themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, really getting back into self-love and self-appreciation. Um, if we looked at MS, um, which is kind of this hardening of the surface of the nerves. So in other words, your immune system is seeing your own body as its enemy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, I think what's important, it kind of interesting too, is um, a, a recent idea, or maybe not so recent anymore, is uh, MS could be a lack of vitamin D. Mm-hmm because there's virtually no occurrence of MS in countries around the equator where there's plenty of sunshine from which you get most of your vitamin D. But the further that you go away from um, to either pole, right, Mm -hmm. you're getting less and less exposure to sunshine and there happens to be a higher incident of the disease. So I think that that's kind of interesting that she talks about that. Um, She says multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune autoimmune disease in which the immune system attacks your own nerve sheath, believing it is um, believing it to be the enemy. So this is a place to start looking for social emotional causes. Uh, in fibromyalgia, she talks about um, that it also being chronic fatigue syndrome mm-hmm. and fibromyalgia, and they're kind of companion illnesses to each other. But she says, um, they make you stop, whether you uh, are stopping with exhaustion or pain or both. So if you have either of these illnesses, there's little doubt that you need to spend some time resting. And this is an important factor in your mind-body understanding. So it's really, you know, making you stop and relax. And perhaps the direction you've been going in is due to someone else's wishes or influence. And perhaps that direction is where you thought you uh, were meant to be going, but something inside you is longing to express itself in a different way. So it's just some different ways to approach um, your perspective on on illness. That's really interesting. And you know, I do think that in general, even though I don't have a um, an autoimmune or nervous system related disorder, any time that obviously my immune system is low and I get sick and um, oftentimes I have to slow down and, you know, I'm sick, so I'm in bed and I have, I reflect back 
and kind of see that, oh, maybe I was really pushing myself too hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And maybe I need to take some time and, and slow down. So I, I do that anytime um, I'm kind of unexpectedly stricken with anything anyway. So it's interesting that that is a suggestion there to go even deeper. So looking at how yoga and yoga therapy help um, with all of these conditions, so physical exercise increases joint mobility. So in conditions with such as RA, then you're increasing joint mobility, um, building strength, uh, increasing heart health, which we talked about in our cardiovascular episode, why that is important, increasing heart rate and endorphins, good hormones, um, helps to maintain a healthy weight and body function. So all of that, keeping the body moving, keeping the body um, in a good place maintenance-wise can help mitigate or alleviate some of these symptoms. Additionally, breath work, learning how to breathe properly, breathing through, using breath to breathe through. pain to breathe through flares to deal with some uh, situations when you're forced to slow down when you have to take a step back um sometimes breathing is one of our biggest tools that we can use when the physical body doesn't seem to want to cooperate right we're able to slow down and take a breath and and catch up additionally um introspection, meditation, stepping away from the outside world and turning inward, like the things that Kim just recommended, Uh, doing your work to grow intellectually, spiritually, finding focus and contemplation and concentration takes the mind off the outside world and brings it inward. So sometimes when we can't control what's going on in our physical body, our physical body being a representation of kind of like what's on the outside, um, Sometimes it can really be helpful to turn inward and to try and maybe see what's going on in there. Because if we're in a situation where we're in pain or we're uncomfortable or we're in the middle of a flare, that may be the only place that we can go is to kind of turn inward. Um, All of that work increases discernment, your ability to make better choices, drop maladaptive behaviors. You know, many of these conditions have uh, diet implications that help with the inflammatory response. There may be dietary things to consider with triggering um, everything in here. I have heard, you know, people with lupus, with um, fibromyalgia, with chronic fatigue and RA, you know, psoriasis even, that there's diet-related Uh, things that happen to maybe gluten or dairy um, just triggers the inflammatory response or triggers some form of response that contributes to this condition. So turning inward and following your intuition and kind of having, doing that kind of inner work may lead you down a path of greater discipline to where you're able to try different things to see if what, what works there. So Oh, what was the other thing that I was going to, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, So, and finding peace with, with all the things that cannot be changed. So that's the bigger part is learning to make peace with the different things that, um, 
that aren't necessarily changeable and how do we adapt? How do we, you know, use our strengths, use our discernment, our intellect, and even our spirituality to connect and find peace with the things that can't be changed? Yeah, with my autoimmune clients, I usually end up giving them uh, over two different types of practices. One practice that might be a little more vigorous, um, meaning like standing poses and such mm-hmm. for the days that they have a lot of uh, energy. And then, you know, more of a restorative practice for the times that they don't, because it ends up being this rat race, right? I'm inflamed. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good, but yet movement will help process some of that inflammation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it becomes this cycle. One thing that, uh, especially with fibromyalgia patients that I have found um, really uh, beneficial is chanting and mudra meditation with breath. And, uh, you know, both of those seem to really help the nervous system quite a bit. And with my MS patients, putting them in uh, supported inversions is very helpful along with breath work. So it's, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how they both uh, respond differently for people. Yeah. And I think too, um, as a clinician, you know, it can be trial and error with each individual because there isn't like a go-to set. This is the pose for MS. (laughs) This is the pose Mm -hmm. for fibromyalgia. But really thinking critically about it and having that, okay, how are you feeling today? Today's the day, you know, if you're good and we can get moving, it's important because when you get moving, you build that momentum and maybe can keep moving and move past or through things. And also having that discernment to know when uh, restorative poses and meditations or like you said, mudra and chanting can really Um, fall in and do the trick to really help? Well, if we look from an Ayurvedic perspective, um, fibromyalgia is viewed as a vata disease. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first there's a disturbance in the nervous system function called vata. And the second is an accumulation of toxins and blockages called ama through the physiology. And once these imbalances reach the critical level, the nervous system becomes less stable and you know, it starts to be aggravating impurities accumulating in the body. And it's just a breeding ground for fibromyalgia to be created. So, you know, we know that vatas tend to need a little more grounding. Um, it's also, if we think about it too, there's a lack of trust in the universe. Um, perhaps that happened at a young age and it was imprinted into thoughts. So, you know, of I'm not enough. Um, mm-hmm. So safety and security issues as well. And so mantra can help uh, with that, you know, start to reestablish grounding in the body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so stress in general and a sense of control, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Stress in, is an unavoidable consequence of life, but the management of stress comes down to learning the correct, um, to correct your faulty perceptions, discern between the things that can and not, cannot be controlled, and learn healthy ways to recognize and manage stress when it's inevitable. We tend to think of all stress as bad, but there are healthy levels of positive stress. Uh, these can help us find our flow and kind of get in that place. Uh, too much negative stress, though, disrupts, disrupts that HPA access, increases inflammation, 
and uh, has results in a poor autoimmune response. So for our listeners, when we decided to do this series specifically on stress and, and disease conditions, it's just to remind you that stress doesn't necessarily cause the disease. Um, and it's all in how we handle the emotions amid stress that can determine the outcomes. So yoga can lead to more positive health outcomes because it's an effective tool in teaching us to be the observer of our thoughts, our feelings, and improving the mind-body connection. Self-care is so vital. And as we get into further discussions, the effects of chronic stress can be experienced in so many ways that if we don't do something to counteract it, we'll bring about unnecessary suffering like more than what we're already experiencing. I suspect, as I've said <laughs> for each of these episodes, uh, that the, the conclusions are pretty similar, but I hope that um, the content in regard to stress and the disease is, is educational, excitable, and um, it's why we find value in our practice and its ability to help all of our clients is because reducing that stress, increasing the relaxation response, getting people to slow down and get quiet and do a little contemplation, introspection, and, and offer them tools for their toolbox, hopefully can help them to improve their quality of life all the way around, regardless of what comes at them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think yoga is about learning how to accept what the body allows you to do at any given moment and understanding that that's the reality for that day. And the thing that's so interesting to me is that uh, my yoga practice enables me to pay more attention to the things that I do have control over. So yoga can build um, hope, even though yoga can't cure the disease. Mm -hmm. Doing it can lessen your symptoms and enhance your sense of well-being, encouraging faith and maybe even optimism and giving a sense of empowerment. Um, niyamas and niyamas, we talk about tapas. It's dedication and discipline that fuels your yoga practice. And the success with yoga is the work that you do. Yoga is what you do for yourself. And um, as much as your yoga therapist gives you, you must also practice to give yourself that same amount. So it's finding that um, balance between effort and ease for you on any given day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that's a piece of the puzzle that our medical system like you you really hit the nail on the head with you know we give you the tools but you have to be the one to practice and I think our the medical model at least for the last 50 years has kind of been like well let's go in with whatever's broken and they fix it <laughs> you know what I mean they fix it or you take a pill to fix it and it's just fixed and in reality it's really us as individuals taking agency over our own bodies and our own minds and our own ability to do the work to try to continue to fix it ourselves there's no magic pill there's no magic one thing it's it's kind of all the things and yoga therapy in particular um and other mind body modalities too but yoga therapy in particular, uh, offers just such a wide variety of tools for the toolbox that if you take them home and you practice them, you will certainly find improvement. Absolutely. 
So we have lots of resources for you in this particular. Um, I have a, a link to a couple of different articles, uh, particularly about immune inflammatory pathways and uh, mindful-based stress reduction and BSR, some other meditation and uh, yoga-related articles from PubMed for many of these conditions that we hope to share with you. And then, of course, uh, uh, Deb Shapiro and her book will be uh, mentioned as well. So visit our website and our show notes at uh, wherethelotusgrows.com. And we'd love to hear from you if you're liking this stress and disease um, series. We'd love to know. And if you have feedback, if you've got more information, if you'd like, if there's a topic that you'd like us to cover, hit us up at all things where the Lotus grows. You can find us Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and on the web. We want to hear from you. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com, Where the Lotus Grows on Instagram and Facebook, or Twitter, Where the Lotus G1, because we were not on top of that one. Remember that though we are professionals in our field, the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose. Please seek the guidance of a medical, integrative health, bodywork, or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.